0: Um, well, uh, good morning. Uh, so it's great. It's a packed house. I see a lot of people from the 2 p.m. service, the 12 noon service, you know, from different regions. So it's amazing. I'm a little bit nervous now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chad Dumancas, and this is my lovely wife, Marvie. And uh, so uh, we've been disciples for, um, you know, over a period of time. Uh <laughs> We were both uh, converted in Manila, but uh, just this summer, uh, our family had the opportunity to go visit uh, Cambodia, and that was life-changing for us. And uh, also, because of that trip, we were able to visit the Philippines and continue studying the Bible with our parents. So there's also a lot of things that we do want to share with you this morning, and uh, we're really grateful for that, Uh, thankful for the Vets and the Mosleys for giving us this second opportunity to preach this year. Uh, it's humbling because I'm not a scholar of the Bible. Those of you know me, when it comes to the super deep questions, I refer you to Gordon or to Derek. But um, okay. you if you want to talk about life and uh, problems and how we repent, you know, then I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, given an opportunity to preach, you, you, know, you get to dig deeper into the Word. Then, uh, of course, my life has to be in check. And since we knew about this like six weeks ago, It's been a really six weeks of micro-scrutiny by God. And so when Jamal preached a few weeks ago and he said, you know, are you a pretender? Are you a quitter? You know, when he asked those questions, I could really feel it in my heart. And I'm like, man, I got to make sure that I am as authentic as I can be because God sees through my heart. You know, when David preached last week, he also said, you know, when when you come up here, is it a show or is it really... You're just a vessel for God to use you, to be able to speak the truth in love. So I pray that this morning, that's exactly what God does. He just uses my wife and I, and that, uh, you know, you take us out of the picture. And I hope you find yourself in the lesson somewhere. Um, Also, uh, you know, a few uh, weeks ago during our midweek series, you know, uh, Gordon preached about the roles of men and women. Well, I'm glad we could practice it now because I have my wife with me. yeah, the way we split the lesson is I'm going to share the points, but most of the God stories my wife will be sharing. So thankful for that growth as well in our church where women can actually share as well during our Sunday services. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers. Um, you know, it was a great mission trip for our family. Mari will share more about it, but it's amazing. Um, uh, so why don't we go to God in prayer, and let's start off. Right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. I pray that uh, you really speak to our hearts, Father, and um, help us see ourselves clearly from your perspective so that we can respond accordingly, God, and really reach out to you and draw closer to you. I pray that we leave this room, um, you know, with a determination, Father, to just continue to walk closer and closer to you to be more like you. We love you so much in Christ, and we pray. Amen. Amen. So the title of our lesson today is simply Do You. It's a lesson on the road to Emmaus. So uh, the main scripture we're using is Luke chapter 24. So if you could go ahead and bookmark that part of your Bible, that's uh, that's the story that we'll be we'll be going through. Um, but yeah, I do want to share when the ki- uh, when the I call them kids, but you know when Josh, Bryce, and uh, Alex shared, uh, that was amazing. You know uh, I know Kylie was also there, and uh, you know Isabella and uh, Lauren. You know. Uh, when you guys go out there, it's, it's incredible. It gives us a lot of vision for our own kids, you know. Our own kids went to Cambodia, and they served with the Handa Academy uh, to serve with the children there who get supplemental education because the, uh, the school system there doesn't provide enough. But uh, that was just a little bit, right? You know, now I could think, about what if they spent a whole week just doing, uh, two weeks just doing what Hope Youth Corps does, you know. And that's really exciting. I can relate when Alex said that... Um, language should not be a barrier because there was this one um, br- uh, brother that I met in uh, in the in the let me see Sim Reap Church okay so we went to the Batambang Church and the Simreep Church in Cambodia now um, after the midweek there uh, where we got to preach at Simreep, Reap um, there was this brother who just came up to me and we had a difficult time conversing because he was speaking in kamai and I was speaking in English But basically, um, he was sharing his heart. And apparently, it's been over a year that he's been trying to get restored. But he just couldn't get to that breakthrough point, you know, where he could fully recommit himself to God. And I could totally relate because I do remember during, you know, back in my youth when there was a few months that I actually stopped considering myself as a disciple. Because I felt like I wasn't worthy to be a disciple, I felt like I'm not as righteous as all these brothers and sisters. But I look at my friends in the world, and I also did not want to be like them. So you kind of feel alone and isolated in that middle spot. And that is what he was feeling. So in our effort to communicate, you know, despite the language barrier, he got really inspired. And so we went on. We went to Batambang. And we just heard that two days after, I mean, four days after that conversation, because we spoke on a Wednesday, that Sunday, he actually... Recommitted himself and got restored, and his name is Richard Vichet. So I mean, it's amazing. That it's true what Alex said. It doesn't have to be perfect communication. The Spirit will move, and even uh, in the stories that we share about our lives, even if it's not the most incredible, awesome, you know, perfect story, God's gonna use you. So let's go to Luke chapter 24 here. So the the background is, uh, you know, Jesus had already resurrected from the dead and the women had gone to the to the tomb and found out that it was empty you know and had shared it with the rest of the disciples and um and so these two disciples were not part of the original 12 one of them was Cleopas and the other one we don't know exactly who it was some say it was probably his wife but uh, anyway they were talking about the events that had happened over the past few days they were walking on the way to Emmaus which is seven miles away so Let's turn to verse 13. Now that same day, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. So he asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem that does not know about the things that have happened here these days? So let's turn to the next slide. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But... We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. So when you read this, right, and you see what was going on, of course, you kind of wonder, you know, well, if Jesus rose from the dead, why is your face so downcast? And the next question that I had was, well, why didn't they even recognize who Jesus was? So I don't want to speculate, but the point is, I think I can relate and we can relate. That sometimes we know of Jesus, but we don't really know Jesus. Which brings us to our very first point. Do you see Jesus? Point number one, do you see Jesus? So I guess you're thinking, well, what does seeing Jesus really mean? Right? Seeing Jesus means, um, you know, there's just a difference about you. People know you are a Christian. There's this joy. There's this peace. There's this security. You're confident because you know that Jesus is with you all the time. And you have no doubt about it. Let's turn to the scriptures in Jeremiah chapter 17. This is the best way I could illustrate what seeing Jesus clearly means. And let's try to, you know, compare ourselves against the scripture. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. They send out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. So contrast this to those two disciples. Again, their faces were downcast. They were discouraged. Their hope was down because they said, but we had hoped, you know, that he would do something different. That he would approach this kingship, redemption of Israel in a different way. Clearly, they weren't excited. (laughs) There was no like, excitement or amazement. Uh, they dwelt on the past, and they did not recognize Jesus. You know, how about us? When we go through life, and life hits us, right, with those uh, problems, relation, especially relationship problems, and we get all emotional, and do we still see Jesus and understand that, okay, okay, hold on, you know, I'm going through this, but Jesus is still in control. Do we normally think that, or do we just tend to dwell on the past and look at the pictures and, you know, be emotional and listen to sad love songs, you know? Or, you know, what if we get hit with financial problems? You know, is our main thought like, okay, God, you're teaching me a lesson and I'm going to overcome this? Or do we stare at our bank book, even though it's never really going to change, Right? Or do we stare at our Excel spreadsheet and continue to get discouraged? Or what about if we fail an exam, you know? Or we hit a roadblock in our paper, final paper for class. Do you see Jesus during that time? Or do we also get downcast and say, it wasn't supposed to be this way, I'm a disciple. The interesting, is, the interesting thing is, you know, in life, Jesus is always the one who approaches us. And we need to be sensitive enough to Recognize that. Just in the Gospel of Luke alone, let's turn to the next slide. There's several examples here where Jesus presented himself to people. Okay, Luke chapter five. I'm not gonna read through all this, but you could see um, in Luke five, Jesus approached Levi. That's Matthew, the tax collector, and he went to his home. Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee, and he went over and had a meal with him. And that's when the sinful woman uh, came over, right? Uh, Jesus went to a meal with another Pharisee in Luke chapter 11. Jesus went to the house of another prominent Pharisee in Luke 14. And then Jesus visits Zacchaeus, which we know about in Luke chapter 19. You know, really, Jesus comes, comes up to us. But do we recognize him when he does? Or in today's setting, since Jesus is now back with God, do we recognize it when Jesus comes to us to different people in our lives so if if what if what it's like to be with jesus is being so confident and secure and unnerved by life's challenges what is it that actually prevents us from seeing jesus so um i noted a few things here you know obviously when we're discouraged or you know we've been hoping and hoping and hoping 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 for something and it never really happens or if there's sin in our lives And I know that as disciples, we still fall into sin. But have we opened up about that sin? Better yet, have we repented of that sin and really put it behind us and are now seeking to be a much better person? Do we dwell in the past? You know, or on the flip side, do we think too highly of ourselves that even though it's really like there's this disciple who's trying to tell us something, it's just so hard for us to see What he's saying, because we feel like there's nothing else that we need to repent of. Are we closely following Jesus? Or are we following from afar? You know, those two disciples, it makes you think. They were not among the 12 who distributed those baskets full of food when it multiplied. They were not there at the boat when Jesus calmed the winds and the waves. They were followers, but probably they were followers from a distance and they just saw Jesus from a distance, you know, hypothetically, put it now in our circumstance. Are we followers from a distance, or are we closely following him? At this point, I want my wife to share.
1: Good morning. So all these things that's listed here that can keep us from seeing Jesus, well, honestly, obviously, I am so guilty of everything and probably more. I've known many times when every single one of these applied to my life, especially as a disciple. But this morning, I wanted to share with you the one thing on this list that was the most deadly and critical to my walk with God. It was about 15 years ago, I was in the full-time ministry, and my heart just started getting critical. There were some things that I saw that I didn't agree with. But instead of trusting God, instead of understanding that this is Jesus' church, that he cares for it more than I do, I just got so deep in my critical thoughts. Why was that deadly? Because this is the one sin that I gave reasons to. And I felt like was justified. Because in my heart, I felt like they're wrong. But the deal was... And the whole attempt of trying to prove something that was right and trying to make people see what was right, I had to come to grips with the fact that I was losing my heart for God. It was such a tumultuous, it's the darkest time in my life. If you would ask me right now, was there ever a time when you feel like you were not right with God? It was at that time, ironically, I thought I was trying to do something right. But there I was in the fields when I had stopped going to church deliberately for three weeks to prove a point. Out in the fields, I was like a deranged woman crying out to God to show himself to me again because in the midst of all that, I could not feel him anymore. It was deadly. But I wanted to share that with you because I want all of us to just be encouraged with the fact that, hey, we're all going to go through these things. We're all going to go through this at different times. But the amazing thing is that even though I got to that point, I could have been hit by the bus while I was in that state. But by God's mercy, my, eye, my life did not end there. It will be a totally different story, you know. How, how sad would that have been, trying to do something right and losing and not seeing Jesus in the process but I wanted to be open with you all and let you know that among all that, that proves to be, even to this day, the most critical. So that lesson I'm holding so dear to my life. I don't want to go back to that path ever again.
0: Amen. So, um, you know, I'm going to flash uh, words from this poem that um, I knew of as a kid. Uh, Many different people claim to have written it, so I don't really know who the author is. But uh, it's the poem Footprints in the Sand. So, you know, it talks about this person walking on the beach, and there's always two sets of footprints. But But then when he really looked closely, he noticed that during the most difficult times of his life, there was only one set of footprints. And so he asked God, Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd be with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troubled times of my life, Troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand. Why? When I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you. We'll never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings, when you only saw one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. We may not know it or see it all the time, but Jesus is always with us. Let's continue the story in Luke chapter 24, verse 25. He said to them, how foolish are you and slow to believe. So this is Jesus now. Finally, he responded after they were telling him this whole story about Jesus, about himself. So he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, and mind you, this is seven miles of walking, so probably a couple of hours, right? Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further, probably wanting to talk more, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. Let's pause there for a minute. If you notice, even after going through this extensive, like, recap of, like, you know, this is the fulfillment of the scriptures. You know, that this was God's plan all the way that, you know, you would be washed by the blood of a perfect animal every time you sin. But obviously that wasn't working out. So there needed to be the perfect sacrifice to redeem us of all our sins forever. And his resurrection would be the vindication, right? Right. Of, the, of, of, you know, uh, basically a declaration of victory over death, and so that once and for all this is available for you if you choose to believe. But despite that, they still didn't see it. You could definitely see that when we are emotional, you know, sometimes we just have some blinders on, and it's hard for us to see. Verse 30, Jesus did not give up. He was very patient. When he was with them at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Finally, they saw Jesus at that point. So what did Jesus do? Well, first of all, I appreciate Jesus' men so much patience. How many times has it been when we have an appointment with a disciple or somebody that we're studying the Bible with and we spend an hour and a half and they still don't get it and we're just about to give up. And we're just about to look at our watch and say, you know what, uh, I think we'll just continue this next time because, uh, you know, I got to move on to my next appointment. Jesus doesn't stop. When we don't get the point and we don't see him, he doesn't stop. He kept on sharing the scriptures. What did he do Exactly. He did four things, and this is interesting. He had a conversation with them, he explained the scriptures to them, he stayed with them and had a meal with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. What does that remind you of? Exactly. It's like Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to prayer, to the word, to fellowship, and communion. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Point number two do you see God moving? Do you see God moving? You know, we chose this point to emphasize that all of those things, the fellowship, the prayer, the explanation of the word, and the meal. So, you know, a meal is communion. God uses all of these circumstances with the sole intent of making us get to know him. So whenever I say, do you see God moving? What I mean to say is, do you see yourself getting closer to God? Do you see yourself becoming more and more like Christ? Do you feel like you're, you're in a spiritual, you know, growth curve? Because if not, then you don't see God moving. Because God will only move in the circumstances of our life and put us in the situations that we're in with the sole intent of allowing us to get to know him in a deeper manner. Many times we fail to recognize that the events in our life are always happening for a greater purpose. So when we hit rock bottom, we we find ourselves asking the question, so why, oh God, is this happening? Where is my life headed now? What is the next step? Or you could be on the opposite side of the rainbow where things are doing great, there I say perfect, and then you find yourself wondering, well, okay, what's the next step, God? When we find ourselves asking these questions, like super depressed or super like empty and void, like, okay... I've served, gone to all these mission trips. What's next? That means you don't see God moving. God will use whatever the situation is and turn it around so that we can recognize him. Okay, so the next slide is just a, a recap of what I said. But uh, notice that the two disciples asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked to us on the road And open the scriptures to us. So the question is have we felt this recently. Where our hearts had been burning. I definitely felt this recently. You know uh, again I mentioned that earlier. But when Jamal preached. I felt that in my heart when he asked those questions. Because while I'm not a full quitter. There are some aspects where I do tend to quit. A tough study. You know somebody has so many questions that I feel like we've covered already. You know, um, part of me wants to feel like maybe this is not a time for him to be a disciple. Am I a pretender? When Jamal asked that question, you know, of course, you know, uh, sometimes too, like, you know, David mentioned it last week, when you go into the office, you know, do you come there ready to serve? And I was talking to him after his lesson, I was saying, it is so hard because in the corporate world, you come in confident. You have to come in like ready to just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it covered. Okay, this is what you'll do, this is what you'll do. you do. You come across confident, but you don't really come across ready to serve. Uh, that wasn't definite in my heart. That's not my heart every single day. So uh, I was convicted by that. God was, you know, that was burning in my heart. So uh, he, David also mentioned what do we tend to do first when we hit the situation? Do we pick up the phone and seek advice? Or do we ask your people or post on Facebook, can you please pray for me? You know, or do we do what Jesus did, which is to pray? That was convicting. Is God talking to you right now? Is there, Think about it. Is there a person in your life right now that is telling you things that you don't want to hear? But unfortunately, are true. Is God convicting you through a scripture, a verse that you've read recently? Maybe it's a song that you hear in the radio while driving. And you know that you have to act on it. Is there an issue in your life that you're just postponing, but you know that you have to face it eventually? Well, God is prompting you to face it right now. How was your last prayer time with God? What burned in your heart? And I'm just going to throw it out there. I know you all are open. But if you have unconfessed sin, you know, is God trying to pull that out? Then grab someone today to have someone pray over you, and you can open up and walk in the light. At this point, I want my wife to share again. Oh, okay. That's okay.
1: Okay. um, Well, I just want to share quickly about God moving. The amazing thing is a lot of times I do need to see God moving in other people's lives. And then I get inspired and I start seeing him moving in mine. But our trip to Cambodia did exactly that. You know, when we were approached and given the opportunity to go and serve, and be able to encourage the church there. I will tell you flat out, we were served and encouraged so much more. This is just like a few of the photos, but um, the the language, it's true. One time we were singing, um, it's Khmer, so we don't know the song. So finally, when the song came and I recognized the melody, I was fired up. I was singing in English at the top of my voice, right? And then Anna O'Brien comes to me and says, Marvy. Don't sing, just lip sync. Don't say, don't, don't be loud. I'm like, oh! And then she had to pull me aside and say, "You throw them off when you sing out loud in English." I'm like, oh! I thought I was being encouraging. Okay, I'm sorry. So I had to stop. Right? Anyway, mm-hmm. but the amazing thing about the Batambang Church is this: when you hear the stories of their lives and how God moved, That's right. it's. It's like, it will make your jaws drop. I will pick one. There's a brother who's so giving. He's so fit for his age. He's always happy. You know what his story is? He's one of the sole survivors. In fact, he was the sole survivor in his whole family under the Khmer Rouge. The rest of his family was killed during that time. But you see this guy, this brother now, you won't even You t- can't tell. I was amazed. But all throughout, through all of the... In every single one of them has such incredible story to share. Some of them saw their family members murdered in front of them. Some of them lost family members in the line, with the, because of the line mines. It's still ongoing. But you could hardly tell. It's amazing. It is so true. Wherever, regardless of the race, the religion, our history... God moves in people's lives in such an incredible way. So I wanted to share that about Cambodia. And I would encourage every single one of you, go to other churches. Yep. It's ama- I mean, you will, you will understand the unity of the body of Christ when you start going to different places. It's amazing.
0: Amen. <laughs> Let's bring it to a landing now and read the rest of the story. So verse 33 so jesus disappeared right so what did the two disciples do they got up and returned at once to jerusalem there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying it is true the lord has risen and as appeared to simon then the two told what happened on the way and how jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread so when the two disciples eyes were finally opened and they fully understood the fulfillment of the scriptures, it was like the kingdom study for them. I remember that when I studied the kingdom study, it was like, wow, I never knew that, that this is the kingdom of God. And I was so excited and I felt so privileged and I was just like eager at that point. Okay, what else do I need to do so that I could be right with God? The disciples were incredibly amazed at how everything fell into place. They couldn't help but share about it. When we finally see God, point number three, Do you speak of him in amazement? Do you speak of him in amazement? Sharing about Jesus cannot be forced or faked. It has to be an overflow, an overflow of our own encounter with him. In the same way that declaring Jesus is Lord, that is an overflow of our amazement of him. You know, throughout the the scriptures in Luke, I was going through that, we find stories of people that what my kids text as SMH. Shaking my head in amazement. Okay, what am I talking about? Let's turn uh, to the next slide. So, in Luke, here you see Jesus forgave a woman's sin. The people saw that. They said, Wow, who is this that he even forgives sin? In Luke 8, after calming the storm, the disciples ask, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Luke chapter 9, even Herod, who wasn't a disciple, he had heard about Jesus, and he posed the same question. Who is this that I hear such things about? If we are truly amazed by Jesus, we, will, we need to be able, you know, to answer his question. Because his question for us is in Luke chapter 9, verse 20. Well, what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah sent by God. If you're truly amazed by Jesus, we need to be able to answer that question. And as Marby said, you know, there were so many stories that made us shake our head with amazement when we went to Cambodia. But uh, the the cherry on top of the cake was when we went to the Philippines and uh, got the opportunity to study the Bible with our parents. Really, this trip wasn't a vacation time for us. It was a mission trip because if you look at our schedule it was either we were preaching the word, we preached seven different times, or we were studying the Bible with our parents. And I'm going to have Marvie share that part of the story because this is truly inspiring.
1: The icing on the cake. I wish I could tell you all about it. The next slide, please. A lot of you have heard and seen the post. I will speak of God, Jesus, in amazement to you now. You guys, this is amazing. I'm When I went home to the Philippines, I was just ready, and I was asking for all your prayers. Thank you for all of you who prayed. I was asking just please pray for my heart to be unconditional and be able to just lay it all out and give as much as I can to her. And that's it. Why? Because I was trying to protect my heart. I did not want her to feel the pressure. I wanted to be like Christ, you know, (laughs) unconditional and not get frustrated when I don't feel like she's getting it after almost 27 years. But the prayer has been, God, please send someone to my family. You've heard me speak of this struggle for the longest time because it's so hard to be out here, being able, given the chance to serve so many people, and knowing that my family back home, and she's seventy-seven. That's like an axe hanging, an axe hanging over my head, right? So, the prayer of God, please send someone. How cool is it that when God answered? Here, you're asking for me to send someone, you go back. And he sent me back home. I never thought in my wildest dreams I will have the privilege of being able to study with my mom and that she will even get baptized with me there, given the separation that we have right now. She was in the water for almost one minute, just hanging on to my brother, just like dancing. I told her, Ma, that's not Jesus. <laughs> Because one of our biggest things was idolatry. She got baptized. Even our family, when they were sharing for her, were confessing in tears. We've lost hope. We've given up. But see how God moved. Now, if you talk to my mom, I can still cannot believe it. In as much as I'm amazed at what God has done for her, I, I call her mother's sister. She calls me daughter's sister. <laughs> And every time I speak with her, I mean, we're like holding her back. You know why? The same amazement of God and Christ is in her now. She's telling every single person in her life, you need to get baptized. And now she's looking forward to this huge conference in the province where she grew up. Because my cousins are solid, staunch Catholics. They have life-size I was telling they have life-size idols. I'm not kidding. It's freaky. You go in the house at night, you'll be, Wah. But that's who they are. But she was already telling us, I want to go there. She's preparing to go to the conference because she's like, I'm going to go there and tell them they need to re- get rid of those and they need to be baptized. We're trying to hold her back because I'm like, Ma, remember how much it took you to sit down, you know, Explore the Bible, look at God's Word, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But she's fired up, incredibly amazed at what God has done in her life. That amazement is not exclusive. Believe it or not, is not exclusive to one family or person. It is available to every single one of us.
0: Amen. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Thank you Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because it's so true. Um, You know, um, my mother-in-law is a prayer warrior. And so she constantly prays to Mother Mary. And all of the answered prayers in her life was through Mother Mary. And so we had to go through a lot of scriptures to show her that, you know, Mary in her life is kind of like what Moses was to the early church. Like he was used by God to usher in the church, but really it's Jesus who is building up this church. And so when, he fa- when that finally clicked in her mind, she was like, so it was really Jesus behind all the answered prayers? <laughs> yes, you may have coursed it through Mary, but Jesus heard your prayers. And so that's why she's so fired up to tell them, you know what, it's not all these saints, and they do sew those clothes for those saints, you know. It's not the saints who are answering our prayers. It's really Jesus, and we need to make him our Lord. So on the other hand, my parents have also studied the Bible, and I'm so um, excited because my parents are evangelicals. So they're, like, super active at church, okay? They know the Bible and all that. But they recognize that they need to be disciples. And so my mom has actually made that decision. My dad is already smiling and just telling me, just give me a little bit more time, Tristan. You know, just give me a little bit more time. But that's very different. Before, they would not even consider being a disciple. My mom just has to finish studying the Bible because we want to, you know, make sure that she understands lordship and, uh, you know, the church and all these uh, final studies. But uh, she's ready. She's just counting the cost. In fact, she said, you know what? I don't need to count the cost. I want to be a disciple. But we're just the ones telling her, well, we need to go through a few more scriptures, mom, before we baptize you. So thank you again for for your prayers. It is true that our idea of a miracle, of what is really challenging to our faith, is different for every single one of us. So, let's not censor our God stories. This is what I realized. When we, go, when we went to Asia, and it's true, we went there to serve, but we were served more. Yeah. If you just share about your life here in America, whatever it is, they get inspired. They just share about something about their life, I get inspired. Yeah. So, my challenge for everyone here in this room today is make sure that you are sharing your stories with those around you you know um, it doesn't matter what the context is as long as you have as long as you end with that light bulb moment where i saw god moving in this situation somebody's gonna connect and somebody's journey to god is gonna kick off i pray that this message today has given you spiritual nourishment that you need and as you leave this morning that you'll also need meet the needs of others Because through Bible studies and sharing our own stories, we can save this world. So, amen. amen.